In the name of Jesus, what are your earliest memories? My sister and I used to recount the things we heard about before we were born. <laughs> we would talk about how we looked out of mom's belly button and the things we saw. It was all stuff we had heard about that it had happened before we were born or simply very early memories of life in St. Louis. These memories were reinforced by storytelling, looking at pictures, the real kind that you pulled out of the envelopes that had the negatives in them. If you don't know what those are, ask your parents or grandparents. Or they were in albums, opened up on a table versus squinting over someone's shoulder or trying to look at the little screen on their phone. Possibly, it is not photos, but a thing that reinforces your memories. I have a small wrench at home, about four inches, cast out of pot iron with rounded edges. It's red, the same color of the first two-wheeled bike I had. The bike is long gone, but I remember wrenching on it with this wrench and adjusting the seat every time I grew an inch or so. It has moved from toolbox to toolbox over the years, but it carries a remembrance with it. Memories are recorded in Holy Scripture, and before that they were carried on via verbal tradition and acts of worshiping God. In our Gospel lesson, the Canaanite woman certainly had some memories. Memories that told her something about what to expect with the coming Messiah to God's people. But she was a descendant of the people that the Israelites were to destroy when they entered the Promised Land. The reason for this was their worship of false gods. The one true God did not want them to influence His people, teaching them the practice of worshiping false gods and idols, thereby causing His people to sin. The woman was a Gentile. Yet she, at some point, had had to have heard and remembered. In our Old Testament lesson, reading, we read of uh, Jacob as he wrestles all night with God and lives. And he is blessed, his name changed to Israel, and his hip is touched, leaving him physically changed and constantly reminded of his encounter with God at that time and the changing of his name and the name that would be given to God's people. We are given this wonderful gift of being able to remember, and even as our memories fail, it can be the most deep and most intimate things that are remembered, like lyrics of old songs from the 50s if you have 20 years on me, or from the 70s and 80s if you're my age. The aged can forget what was for breakfast or even the day of the week, but even in a state of confusion, they call out to family and friends from long ago like they are there with them now. They remember. They remember that their mom was Janet and their aunt was Mabel and talk about things like going after school to walk the dog like they always did. All of these wonderful memories we have are a great gift of God and I have often thought that possibly a little piece of heaven would be the ability to in Ultra HD 4K 3D relive the most precious memories. But all of these great memories cannot save you and me from sin, death, and the devil. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses gives the Israelites a history lesson in the law of God. The history lesson is chapters long, and it contains all that God had done for them in rescuing them from Egypt, the laws they must keep so God can be near them and they near God, and repeats the promises he had made to their fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Moses commanded them over and over to remember. Remember the law and keep it. Remember the Red Sea. Remember Mount Sinai. Remember the manna. Remember the golden calf and God's anger and how he had mercy due to the prayers and pleading of Moses for the people. Remember that it was not your righteousness, your own righteousness, that caused God to be merciful, but his righteousness alone. Remember. Deuteronomy is like looking through a family album of pictures. On the rare occasion when we get out an album or the envelopes with the photos in them, the ones with the little negatives, we usually look, laugh at how we looked or what we were doing, and sometimes how nice we appeared dressed up, opening Christmas presents as a fourth grader in a white shirt and a tie, for instance. Goofy. But Deuteronomy paints a picture of an unsightly people, people that are rebellious toward God. And yet God is faithful. He is good. And he prepares to deliver them into the promised land. Moses warns them. Remember, Moses didn't get to go. When Moses had finished writing the words, and this is from Deuteronomy, of this law in a book to the very end, Moses commanded the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, take this book of the law and put it in by the side of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for a witness against you. For I know how rebellious and stubborn you are. Behold, even today, while I am yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord. How much more after my death? Assemble to me all the elders and tribes of your, of your officers, that I may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death you will surely act corruptly and turn aside from the way I have commanded you. And in the days to come evil will befall you, because you will do what is evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger through the work of your hands. It would be great to say that this does not describe you and I, but it does. We are like the ones in the wilderness, just millennia later in a different wilderness. We seek to justify our actions using the words of the devil. Did God really say? We look to mount our defense before God on our own terms, but we don't get to set the terms. The covenant has always been a one-way deal. In Deuteronomy 32, Moses went on to describe in song the story of all that had happened and how God would vindicate and have compassion on his servants. God did not punish for punishment's sake, but for the purpose of discipline and growth and faith. We grow through hardship and trial and learn to trust in God. All this Moses reminds them of. Moses came and recited the words of this song in the hearing of the people he and Joshua, the son of Nun. And when Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. Remember, They were to remember the promises made to their fathers and all that the Lord had done to preserve them. They were to remember the promise made as far back as Genesis, the Savior. At some point, that message had made it to the ears of a Canaanite woman, a dog, and it created faith in her. 
faith in Jesus, the son of David, the Messiah, and she knew he was the hope she needed for her daughter. She remembered and she cried out for mercy. We are much like that Canaanite woman, the dog, and what have we been given by God in Holy Scripture is a family album. If you have one of the big old King James Rembrandt editions, it is full of family pictures as well. Pictures of Jacob wrestling with God, of Moses at the Red Sea, and of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. I remember looking at the one my grandma had, and I still have it. Having been baptized in the name of God, that is, say it with me, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we are made part of this family that is ancient as time itself, twisted as any soap opera you watched as a kid, and loved and rescued by a father who gives us the perfect righteousness of his son, our brother, in baptism. We are children of God, and he wants us to remember what he has done for us. He wants us to trust in what he has done to save us, sending his son to die in our place so we can have life. He wants us to remember and trust in that above all else. He is still the God that, as you heard last week, calls out, where are you, to a lost and sinful people, his people. He calls us into the life of the church, the life of the baptized. It is a life of repentance that is often so difficult for us, but in which we receive the blessedness of absolution that is completely free in Christ. It is forgiveness that forgets our sins and remembers them no more. Remember that. Do this in remembrance of me. The little wrench I have is a little reminder of something in my past 55 plus years ago. This meal is so much more than a little reminder. It is a means in your mouth to deliver what Christ has done for you so you can remember. It is the very body and blood of Christ, just as he had promised with the words, this is my body, this is my blood. It is under the bread and wine. We don't peer into the mysteries of God and ask how. We remember his words and trust in his promise that it simply is. Remember, it is God's righteousness that covers our sin. His goodness fulfills His promise, and that goodness is Jesus. Perfect, pure goodness and righteousness. With the gift of faith that frees us from sin, we trust in God and what He has done through His Son. And we can remember this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope and the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character. Character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Remember, in the name of Jesus, Amen.